0: Welcome to Untold Bizarre True Crime, where I talk about the lesser-known and truly bizarre crimes and mysteries throughout history. Today, we're going to talk about the murder of Chris Jenkins, who went missing on Halloween and was later found in his costume in the Mississippi River. The case happened on Halloween night, October 31st, 2002. The victim... Christopher Mark Jenkins was 21 years old and lived in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He was a student at the University of Minnesota's Carlson School of Management. First, his death was said to be a suicide or accident, but through deep investigations, The family was able to uncover clues indicating that Chris may have been abducted and murdered. His official cause of death has been reclassified from accidental drowning to homicide, but the charges have not been filed and the case is still unsolved. So let's dig into this case and see exactly what happened back in 2002. Make sure to listen all the way through. And I should say thank you for listening today and thank you for enjoying my effort. And if you are new here, thanks for checking up on my channel. You can listen to so many mysteries and unsolved crimes by liking and subscribing. On Halloween night in 2002, Chris Jenkins, his girlfriend Ashley Rice, and a few friends headed over to the Lone Tree Bar and Grill at 528 Hennepin Avenue in downtown Minneapolis. The group arrived at the bar between 10.30 and 11 p.m. and parked the car just south of the bar. Chris was wearing only his American Indian costume, consisting of a brown nylon shirt and pants, slip shoes, and a headband with a red feather. Sometime after midnight, Chris was separated from his friends and ejected from the bar. The most commonly shared story is that a drink was accidentally spilled on his pants and the security supervisor assumed Chris was so intoxicated that he urinated himself. After Chris was removed, the bouncer at the door was given instructions not to let him back inside. It was the last time he was seen alive. Unfortunately for Chris, his Native American Halloween costume had no pockets. and He had asked Ashley to keep his wallet, keys, and cell phone in her purse for him, and his coat was left inside the bar on this cold 20-degree night. Since one of his friends drove him there, Chris had no ride home and could not contact them inside the bar. He was last seen heading north, but did not return to his home and was eventually reported missing. So four months without a word from Chris had his family and school even on edge. On February 27, 2003, Chris's body was found snagged on some tree branches in the Mississippi River in downtown Minneapolis. The body was on the east side of the river near the spillway of the St. Anthony Falls Hydroelectrical Laboratory at 30 Southeast 3rd Street. It could be seen from the 3rd Avenue Bridge floating up on his back with his arms in front of him. The medical examiner found no signs of foul play on Chris's body, so the official cause of death would be listed as undetermined. Police initially believed... Chris either committed suicide or died accidentally after falling into the water, but all those who knew Chris felt differently. He was a star athlete, a two-time team captain of his lacrosse team. He was set to graduate with stellar grades from the university's prestigious Carlson School of Management and had a job interview lined up, several of them actually. He was happy, easygoing, very responsible, and he had set plans for his future. So as I said earlier, police initially believed that Chris either committed suicide or died accidentally after falling in the water, but his family members had a different thought. Jan and Steve Jenkins, Chris's parents, decide to take matters into their own hands, A possible tip indicated that Chris may have been spotted walking north across the Hennepin Avenue Bridge over the Mississippi River. The Jenkins were able to find surveillance footage of the bridge, and they reviewed it. Quote, There were two surveillance cameras on the Federal Reserve Bank pointing to the Hennepin Avenue Bridge, says Jan. This was post-9-11, clearly good equipment. We have written documentation from the supervisor that more than one person viewed the tapes from both cameras late on the 31st and early on November 1st. Chris was not seen on the tape. We do not believe Chris walked across that bridge. The supervisor told the FBI that it would be almost impossible for a person to sprint across that bridge and not be seen. End quote. So... They decided to hire a private invest- investigator named Chuck Loesch. Suspiciously, when Loesch retraced Chris's steps to the Lone Tree Barn Grill, all of the staff now claimed that Chris left of his own accord. The owner then issued a gag order so his employees couldn't speak about it without an attorney present. With that in mind... On the night of Halloween, an off-duty police officer named Mike Casey was in the bar. He was working security in the area, and he knew Ashley, Chris's girlfriend. He'd even loaned Ashley one of his uniform shirts for her Halloween costume as a sexy cop. Sometime during the night, Ashley introduced Chris to Mike. Well, A rumor went went around that Mike Casey told security at the bar to have Chris removed. This would get him out of the picture so he could flirt with Ashley. He even gave her a ride home that night after Chris went missing. The Minneapolis uh, Police Department never even questioned Mike Casey formally. When they were asked why he wasn't questioned, the police department stated, quote, he's a married man with children. We don't want to break up a family, end quote. So moving along, the private guest investigator determined Chris would have had to cross the Hennepin Avenue bridge to get home, yet there was no indication he'd gone to the bridge at all. The family hired a K-9 unit that tracked Chris's scent from the Lone Tree Bar to a restaurant across the street. From there, his scent was tracked to an underground parking garage. The scent finally came to a stop around the parking stalls number 89 and and 90. That very same night, the bouncer from Lone Tree Barn Grill had been parking in one of those spots. The bloodhounds found Chris's scent on the vehicle that had been parked there that night. Police began a search for evidence and found blood droplets, a red feather fragment, and a red string that resembled the string from Chris's headband. Now, Loesch found witnesses who reported that a gang of at least 10 men had attacked a man in front of Times Square Pizza, which was the restaurant across the street from the bar, in what was thought to be a gang initiation, although the time of the incident has not been confirmed, it could have been around the time Chris left the bar. The Jenkins family consulted with numerous experts, including global experts in water rescue and recovery, renowned forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Baden, and even reviewed their own son's autopsy photos. They learned that the appearance of Chris's body did not fit with the suicide or accident theories held by police. Most drowning victims are found face down with their arms out towards their sides, their clothing clothing disheveled, and one or both of their shoes missing. This is because one's natural reaction when drowning is to vigorously paddle the feet and arms to swim. Chris's body was found on, on his back, arms crossed in front, his shirt tucked into his drawstring pants, and still wearing both oversized slip-on shoes. He also still had on a necklace and and a ring on his left index finger along with a ring on his right ring finger. They also found traces of GHB in his system, which is also known as the date rape drug. So when Chris was pulled from the river, there was also a clump of hair in his left hand, and this hair wasn't tested until years later, when it was then determined to be his own hair. So, when new police chief Tim Dolan was hired for the city of Minneapolis, the Jenkins family brought him the leads uncovered by their private investigator and the new evidence that they had found. The chief agreed that the case had not been thoroughly investigated, so in 2006 Dolan reopened Chris's case. That same year, an eyewitness to crime, someone in jail and reportedly facing felony charges for another crime, stepped forward to claim he was present when Chris was thrown off a bridge. The inmate told investigators that his acquaintance, after robbing Chris and finding nothing of value, became angry and threw him off the Hennepin Avenue bridge. It's not known whether the eyewitness was involved in the crime or only providing information to bargain for leniency but the claim had other problems. If a bridge was involved, Chuck Loesch believed it could not have been the Hennepin Avenue bridge. The physical layout, which includes a steel beam and suspension cables, would have made it nearly impossible to throw someone over without injury. Jenkins was not found to have any broken bones, meaning that the killer would have had to lift a grown man over the high safety railing and throw him four to five feet out over the support beam, avoiding the vertical cables in the process. The bridge is brightly lit and has heavy traffic, and no one reported seeing anything unusual on the bridge that night. Cameras with a view of the bridge also did not capture anything suspicious, including Chris even walking across the bridge. In fact, Loesch believes it's unlikely that Chris was thrown from a bridge at all. Given the fall and the river's current, Chris's shoes would not have stayed on his feet, but where Chris entered the water may be significant. If it was further upstream, it would point to a vehicle being involved in the crime. And Chris's family has said they have various reasons to believe Chris was thrown in the back of a van, abducted, tortured, and eventually murdered. In 2006, Chris's death was reclassified as a homicide. During a press conference, Chief Dolan offered the Jenkins family a public apology, but in July 2007, the Hennepin County District Attorney's Office announced they had been approached about filing charges against the suspect for Chris's murder, but declined to press any charges in the case, citing a lack of evidence. Based on the information they provided, some believe the suspect in question is Jeremy Alford, who is serving a life sentence for the brutal murder of a man named Douglas Miller, and was rumored to be a regular patron of the Lone Tree Bar in 2002. Chris's case has also been connected to the infamous smiley face murder theory, as his death took place during a time when many young college-aged men in the Midwest United States were discovered dead in bod- bodies of water after a night of drinking. But unlike many of the other cited casings, <laughs> casings... Cases, no smiley face graffiti has ever been discovered in relation to Chris's death. However, without knowing exactly where he entered the water, it's kind of hard to look for graffiti. So, that's the story of the mysterious and unsolved murder case of Chris Jenkins, who went missing on Halloween of 2002. Um... In this case, it still remains unsolved. If you are really into the true stories of mysterious and unsolved crimes keep listening to my channel. I am always ready to offer you a variety of mysteries and crimes. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope that we can meet again in the next episode with another story of a mysterious crime. Before we wrap up, show some love by leaving a comment, like, or subscribe to my channel to stay tuned for the next episode. Stay safe, y'all. It's a bizarre world.